Welcome to the NGO Journey Podcast, where we share the stories of inspiring nonprofit leaders to inspire other changemakers to start, grow, and sustain their own high-impact nonprofit organizations. Hi, good day. I'm Charlene, and I'm sitting in this intriguing and positively probing chair today to do an interview with the social entrepreneur, founder, and executive director of the award-winning NGO, Young Women and Men of Purpose. Yes, <laughs> you guessed it. I'm with no other than Lanisia Roden herself, the humble giant in her field. Lanisi Roden is a social entrepreneur, founder, and executive director of the award-winning NGO, Young Women and Men of Purpose, YWAP, YMOP, yes I said it, award-winning, an organization which provides career guidance, mentorship, and entrepreneurship training and support to young people in Jamaica. She also serves as the CEO of the NGO's social enterprise, Link Your Purpose, LIP, which was created to expand the work of the NGO and to make the organization sustainable. As a social entrepreneur, Lenisa is passionate about youth and community development and entrepreneurship and has received several awards for her work, including the Commonwealth Youth Award for Excellence in Development Work, the Jamaica Governor General Award for Youth Leadership and Community Development. She has represented both her NGO and social enterprise in over 14 countries in programs such as the Entrepreneurship for Good Fellowship Program by the Do School, Germany, Slush Global Impact Accelerator Program in Helsinki, Finland, and the Expo Live Innovation Grant Program by Expo 2020 Dubai, among others. Lenisa is an alumna of the Manchester Business School UK, where she pursued the Masters in Innovation Management and Entrepreneurship and the University of Technology, Jamaica. Her goal is to use her 11 years experience in running a reputable and impactful NGO and her passion for sustainability to help other change makers start, grow, and sustain their own high impact NGOs. And that's why she started the NGO journey. Hi, Lanicia, how are you? Hi, Charlene, I'm doing well, thank you. Awesome. How are you? I am awesome. Just awesome. I think it is important to explain how we have switched seats today. After all, you are the host of this podcast, The NGO Journey. A little while back, I was interviewed by you, this podcast, and I thought to myself and I said it to you, hey, you should be interviewed. You have so many gems that, you, you know, we need to know that persons need to, to get a bit of, you know, I've known you for 
over 20 years and you have shared so many things with me uh, in just conversing with you i've had to take notes so i think it's important for other persons to get a little bit of this this gem this jamaican beauty and gem and so i have lots of questions for you today are you ready i am ready to share my NGO journey awesome <laughs> okay so I think um, there are many persons who are listening, who want to know what led you down the path of social entrepreneurship. So I think for me, it started from a very early age. When I was in primary school, I remember participating in different community service activities with my church, youth group, Mm -hmm. and also just watching my mother who did a lot in the community and, you know, for other individuals. And then in high school, I was a member of Key Club. I think you were also Charlene. Mm -hmm. And uh, moving on to university, I joined clubs like Circle K and continued the community service activities and voluntary activities while on campus. Um, It didn't become official, though, until 2009, when I entered the JCDC, which is Jamaica Cultural Development Commission, Festival Queen competition for Manchester. And I actually worked for the parish of Manchester. One of the criteria for that competition is that you should have been active in your community. So I was already active in my community. But what what happened after is that it gave me the platform to start a community Mm -hmm. service project which should be run for one year Mm -hmm. and that's when the idea came to do young women of purpose at the time Mm -hmm. and um and that idea came because i was an instructor with heart i was teaching and i had a group of students who i was very close to majority of them were females and uh, i outside of teaching them I was mentoring them, just guiding them. And I realized that a lot of them had faced many challenges and were still facing challenges, um, but they were very brilliant. And for some of them, they did not know what they were going to do with their lives after leaving Heart, after finishing or completing Mm -hmm. the program. And I acted as a mentor for many of them and a counselor, if you must say. And so when the opportunity came to, you know, to start something formal I knew that that is what I wanted to continue to do because of a teacher um, many of them had no one else to talk to they had no guidance while they were in high school in terms of what they could have done with their life Mm -hmm. Um, and for those who experienced um, challenges such as you know teenage pregnancy they didn't understand that that was not the end of the road And so that really gave me the opportunity to step out. And since I took that step in 2009, it has just been growth. It has been, I discovered my purpose Mm -hmm. and my passion. Um, It has led led me to where I'm at today. So that's how my journey started. Which, which leads me to ask you, how did you know, you know, you mentioned that you were teaching before. How did you know that this was what you wanted to do, that this was purpose? 
So I think when I started, the truth is I didn't know. <laughs> so while I was teaching, it was a natural part of me to give more than just the academic side of teaching. You know, um, it opened my eyes while I was in the classroom because I had students who would text me um, outside of class, text me late at night, telling me how they wanted to commit suicide. And wow. persons would just share their challenges Real with challenges. me. Real challenges. And so it really opened my eyes as to what young people were facing, you know. Um, and when I, when I realized that, I couldn't stop giving the additional support. I could not not answer a text message or a call yeah. if a student or if a young person reached out to me. And so when I got the opportunity to start the project and I started, I actually, a few months after, I quit my job to go oh. into entrepreneurship full time. So I also had a, or started a concessionaire and catering company. Oh. And that was be my bread and butter, mm-hmm. as you might say at the time. And what I realized is that, yes, I liked hospitality and I liked cooking and, you know, feeding persons, but I started to give more of my time to YWAP, you know, to Young Women and Men of Purpose. I was putting more time and more focus on it instead of the catering, right? And so I was just doing catering and trying to balance so that I could eat, but really and truly my heart was in Young Women of Purpose because of the impact that it was created. And I think it was at that point when I realized how many persons were being touched by what was happening through the organization, how many persons would come back to me to say, you know, um, you've changed my life or helped me um, with this or that. I think it's at that point that I realized, you know, this is what I want to do. I saw a purpose in what I was doing. Yeah. I have experienced challenges um, in my life before yeah. that moment. And um, sometimes I had questions about my life. It was at that point that I was able to sit and say, this is the reason why I'm alive so that I can inspire and help somebody who's going through a particular challenge. So it was at that point that I really recognized that this is what I'm called to do. Wow, that's an amazing story, Lanisio. Very inspiring. Um, just a quick check on Google, and I'm seeing um, young women of purpose in multiple articles, multiple uh, mentions. How long has this NGO been going on? We started in 2009, mm-hmm. and uh, it ran for one year as Young Women of Purpose and as my community service project. But in 2010, instead of, you know, closing the project, the impact that we're creating in the parish, in the community, and because of the um, volunteers like yourself, you were a part of YWAP from the beginning, you know, as one of the founding members and directors of the organization. Because of that support, because of the support from corporate Jamaica persons, um, you know, funding some of the projects and programs that we were doing, um, myself and my team decided that, guess what, we're going to continue. We're going to actually register this organization as a nonprofit organization in Jamaica. And not only that, we're going to expand to include males because serving women at the time 
males started to question and to ask, what about us? Uh-huh. And we also had, male, I think we had male volunteers who were interested. And yes. so, um, yes, we, we had to make that decision to include males because, you know, they are also vulnerable. They also needed career guidance and mentorship and they were also having challenges. Yes. So with that said, we have been in existence for June of this year will be 11 years since the organization existence. That's a long time. Um, it's going on and very strong. Um, 11 years of service to this country, 11 years of service to the community. What are some of the challenges that you've experienced? And really tell us, why did you want to help others with this particular NGO journey? Right. So 11 years is definitely a long time. Um, I've experienced a lot of growth personally and professionally. And also the organization has grown a lot over the 11 years. Um, With any organization or even business and in life, we all experience challenges. But the challenges have really taught us, you know, many lessons. Mm -hmm. So some of the challenges that I would say I've experienced over the past 11 years, definitely running an NGO, it requires funding. (laughs) Um, when when, When we started, I remember... I had money, um, a small amount of cash from the competition to, you know, do things such as like making a banner mm-hmm. and, um, and I would have taken money from my pocket, you know, from my salary to like provide refreshments for the mentoring sessions that we were having. And then my team members suggested having, um, membership fees, annual membership fees. Right. And yes, we get funding for different projects, but as the organization grew, we found that um, we needed more funds, more money to carry out, you know, more work so that we could impact more persons. And NGOs that exist and companies even have their own community service programs and projects or their own foundations. And so we would write letters to companies seeking funding or sponsorship for different programs. Mm -hmm. And the truth is that um, not all companies will say yes, right? So we had several no's, right? I remember that we started from very early to apply for grant funding to carry out different projects. And as the leader of the NGO, that was one of my roles to really write the grant proposal to seek funding. Mm-hmm. And it was very difficult because the number of no's <laughs> that I got oh, back yes. then... Um, sometimes you feel very discouraged, you know, to say, why can't we um, get one of these um, grants to carry out the project that we were doing, you know, to continue the impact that we were creating. So that is a challenge. We've managed, though, to, um, you know, overcome that challenge. I remember the first time that we actually, the organization received grant funding, that was in 2012, when we received the UN Habitat Urban Youth Fund grant. And that was an international grant. That was the biggest <laughs> grant or, or amount of money that we would have from anyone. And so I was just overjoyed. I remember myself and some of my team members, we were just jumping and we were so elated. And that, that funding was to um, run the Youth Entrepreneurship Project 
you know, within the organization. And since then, we have actually received several other large grants from international um, agencies. And we've also received funding from many corporate companies, but it is still not an easy thing to do. You get better at writing proposals and people over time will even um, ask us or to say, do you have any projects that need to be funded? But that you develop over right. time, right? But it's a challenge, not only for us. Funded is a challenge, not only for us, but also many other NGOs that exist. Mm-hmm. Um, another challenge I would want to highlight though is the challenge of, um, ret- well, growing the organization in a very structured mm-hmm. manner. So especially for someone who started without having any experience about how to run an NGO, yeah. I did not study anything about development, mm-hmm. right? I, my, my first degree was in food service management. I was a hospitality person. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to work in a hotel. So coming from that background, right? to start and to lead an NGO without any knowledge. I had to do a lot of research. I had to do a lot of things on my own. I made a lot of mistakes. I took the long road, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I, I even registering the NGO on my own. Um, I had to do the research. I made several trips to Kingston at the time to the company's office wow. to ensure that the completed. I remember at one point, I went to the company's office and one of the agents were like, you should really get a lawyer to register your NGO. But because I knew that the funding was not there to do that, you know, I decided to do it myself. And I did it myself. And, you know, the NGO was registered properly um, at that time because I chose to learn. I made mistakes, but I learned from those mistakes. That is even one of the reasons why now I can help other people, you know, to register their NGOs and to do, to build a structure, a sustainable structure and a strong structure for their NGO because of what I would have experienced in the past. Awesome. And I I think with that amount of experience, having gone through it yourself, you're able to provide proper guidance to um, persons who want to start their own NGOs. That's really good. So I'm going to ask you three BIGs. Your three best in the game BIGs. First is, what is the biggest lesson you've learned? Um, the biggest takeaway and the biggest win. So the biggest lesson you've learned, biggest takeaway and the biggest win. Um, what is the biggest lesson? (laughs) That's a very big question. But the, I think the biggest lesson I've learned over the past 11 years of running the NGO is that I cannot do everything by myself. Mm -hmm. It takes a team to create impact and, uh, it takes a team to grow, um, a, a well-run NGO. Mm-hmm. And um, how did I learn that? So I'm the kind of person who, I'm a, I consider myself a team yes. player, but in, in leadership, I'm the kind of person where, especially if I'm 
if I ask someone to do something, and you know, in the NGO world, we depend on volunteers, mm-hmm. so it's not somebody you're paying right. and demand that it's done, right? So I will ask someone, or we decide that someone should do something. But if it is not done and it needs to get done, I'm the kind of person who is going to just take it upon myself to get it done. And what that does is it will take away from what I was supposed to have been doing in the first Mm -hmm. place, right? And sometimes you may appear to yourself and to others as not being a team player because you are doing everything else that others um, should be Mm -hmm. doing. And so I think over the years, what I've learned is that I've learned how to delegate. Mm-hmm. I've learned how to be a better leader. I've learned how to monitor and follow up with persons and also to support yeah. them without e- without taking over what they are supposed okay. to do. So I think that's one of the biggest tests that I've learned uh, while running the mm-hmm. NGO. What about the biggest takeaway? Yes. So the biggest takeaway that um, I have is that hard work pays off. <laughs> um, yes, hard work pays off. So again, when I started the NGO, especially after I had quit my job, you know, to go into entrepreneurship full-time and to run the NGO, I had persons who were saying to me, are you sure you want to do right. this? Um, you know, why don't you work for a couple more years, build a career, get some money? Um, but for me, that's the that's the path that I wanted to pursue. Mm-hmm. And I, I started the NGO. I started doing what I was doing because I wanted to give back. I saw how impactful it was in just helping and supporting someone who needed mm-hmm. help, someone who maybe was considered less fortunate. And I wanted to continue to play that role. I have been blessed with many things in my life, people helping me, people supporting me um, with, you know, scholarships or, you know, any other kind of um, opportunities. And so I wanted to be able to share with a young person that, oh, this is how you can get this done. This is where you can end up. I wanted to be that person to share that with a young person. And so even though initially... I didn't see any um, reward. And by reward, I felt good. I felt great. So in and of itself, that was a reward yeah. for me. But I did not see the kind of reward that most people want to see or want to have from working a job. I didn't see the financial rewards, you know. Um, and so, but I didn't get daunted yeah. over that. I still continued to do what I needed to do. And over time, things started paying off. So over time, I started to get opportunities to learn how to run an NGO, right? Opportunities came not locally, but internationally Mm -hmm. to go learn from people who are doing what I am trying to do, right? Even scholarships, I was able to gain a scholarship to go pursue my master's. Um, Yes, a big chunk of it was based on my academic qualifications, But another big part of it was also based on my involvement in community yeah. service. In fact, I remember the day I did the interview and I was sharing what I did in my NGO and my NGO journey. And the interviewers was most, um, was most impressed <laughs> with that. And so to date, I believe that that experience yeah. 
And because of the part that I took and the part that I was on, you know, that is what gave me the edge over other persons who had applied for that scholarship. And so the takeaway is that for me, if you're passionate about something, if you realize that it is your purpose, then even if you're not seeing the rewards immediately, still pursue it, still go ahead and do it because in the long run, it will be. Oh, yes. And what would you say is the biggest win? The biggest win for me is definitely the impact that the organization has created over the years. And the organization has created impact for many persons, for the beneficiaries, for team members, and for myself, and just persons who have interacted with the organization. I've had many persons who've benefited from one of our Mm -hmm. programs, you know, call or messaged me to see how the program has impacted their lives, how it has put them on a new path or a new journey, how our entrepreneurship program, for example, has helped them to, you know, start earning money for themselves and their family, how a capacity building program has allowed them to get a job. And so when a beneficiary comes back to share that with you and when you can see it, when you can see the growth and development Mm -hmm. of a young person, it really touches my heart. And so that is a big win for me. In terms of impact too, yes. And also my team, a majority of the team members that I have now have been with the NGO since the beginning as volunteers. And I've seen where team members have grown professionally and personally for some persons because of the work that they have done in the NGO, because of the impact that they would have um, made on the life of a beneficiary. I've seen persons who would have come into the organization as volunteers and have, you know, grown to take over responsibilities such as becoming project managers, right? I've seen persons come into the organization again as volunteers taken on different leadership roles and have gone on to start their own NGOs and have gotten local and international opportunities because of the 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 work that they would Uh have done with us and because of the experience that they would have gained with us and the opportunity that they would have gotten with us to grow and to learn about the sector so again that is a big win for me knowing that such an organization can really empower persons you know to take that next step Uh in their lives or to get this type of opportunity and to have access to, you know, yes. to grow as individuals and as professionals. That is really true. Um, according to, to Jim Collins in his, in his 1994 book, Built to Last, um, Successful Habits for Visionary Companies, you must, based on all that you have said to us, you must have a BHAG. What is your big, hairy, audacious goal for your NGO? (laughs) That's a great question. Um, So I would say that my big, hairy, audacious goal for young women and men of purpose is that I see it as as one of the first sustainable youth-led NGOs, not only in Jamaica, but in the region of the Caribbean. And when I say sustainable, I mean financially sustainable. And we're currently working on that 
um, with the formation of our social enterprise to ensure that we're able to earn for ourselves within the NGO to support the grant funding that yeah. we receive and also so that we're able to carry out our programs mm -hmm. ourselves, right? Even without grant funding. In addition to being financially sustainable, um, as an organization, it needs to be sustainable in and of itself, meaning we should have volunteers or staff working in the organization to carry out the programs so that we can continue to create or to make an, the impact that we are, you know, we're right. already making in the community, right? And even to grow our level of impact that we are oh. creating, right? So those that is important mm -hmm. for me you know the overall sustainability of the organization it should be a training ground where persons who are interested in you know working in the development sector they can mm -hmm. come in and they have a space to really you know use their skills to impact the life of another right. person and so that big hairy audacious goal for us to be sustainable in all area of the organization mm -hmm. and that's a big and important word sustainable um 11 years is really awesome could you give those persons who want to start who you know are struggling with their NGOs you know could you give us three quick tips you know on how they can start or they can sustain their NGO how can it how can this be done Right. So it is very possible. That's the first thing that I want to say. And the first tip that I would give to anyone who wants to start mm -hmm. an NGO is first identify your purpose, mm -hmm. right? Identify the reason why you want to start this NGO. What is your why? What difference do you want to make in this world, right? Who do you want to right. impact? And once, once you're able to identify that, then that will be your driving force even in the difficult and the challenging times when there's no funding because you know your why because you know that this is something i'm passionate about this is my mm -hmm. purpose you're going to push beyond the challenges to get it done even when you're alone you're still going to do the work mm -hmm. right because you want to get it done you want to impact this life you want to make a difference and so that's the first step identify your why or identify yes. your purpose how can you make a difference the second thing is once you've identified what you want to do, why you want to do it, then the second thing is to take action. Mm -hmm. So if you do not take action, then nothing is going to happen. Nothing yeah. is going to change. And in taking action is create mm -hmm. a plan, right? So just write something down. That's the first step to action, right? Write it down. How do you see this organization, right? Where do you see it in the next 10 years? Who do I need to help me? And once you have those things written, then you need to get it done. Reach out to the persons that you need to work with you, right? Reach out to the friends or to persons who you know have skills that you may not have so that they can help you to, you know, fulfill this vision right. that you have. Ensure that you start doing something. Don't wait until everything is perfect. Don't wait until you have all the resources because one of the things that I've learned over, over the past 11 years in my journey is that 
even when you don't see the folks mm-hmm. that carry out the project. Write the project, start it how you can, because there are always people out there who are watching you and people like to support things yes. that are happening, <laughs> right? Nobody likes to support something that they only hear about. It's easier for them when they see it happening to say, oh, I yes. want to be a part. So the second thing is you have to take action. And the third, third thing is, the third tip that I would give is after you've taken action, ensure that you, you are continuing to learn. So do not get complacent uh-huh. at any point in your journey. Right? Ensure that you're always developing yes. yourself, right? Read books. Ensure that you're enrolling, enrolling in training programs or workshops. There's so many workshops and uh-huh. capacity building uh-huh. programs for leaders in the NGO sector to help you to become better at what you do, to help you to do what you do in a more yes. sustainable manner, right? You will lead an NGO or the type of leader that you will become will be based on the knowledge mm-hmm. that you have about the industry that you are in. So even if you did not study development work and you did not study anything about nonprofits, just ensure that you go out and mm-hmm. you seek information because it will only help you to grow and bring the organization to the level that you need it to be at. Um, and and when I'm, I say this, and I'm not just saying it because it's something that I've experienced, I shared with you earlier that I've never studied anything in development when I just started the NGO. And it wasn't until mm-hmm. about two years ago that I actually did a professional certificate in yeah. NGO management, right? So now I have some sort of professional yeah. certification in managing the NGO. And even though I had the, at the time, it was about nine years experience mm-hmm. of running an NGO, doing that course gave me new insight. It gave me additional information that I did not know. And so I could have used what I learned in mm-hmm. the course, right, to take back to my organization to further grow and develop the organization. So always seek knowledge, always do research, and always try All to right. level yourself, your organization. So I'm taking notes. The three tips, know your why, take action, and continue to learn. This has been really awesome talking to you, Lanisio. I have a very important question to ask you. And that is, Lanisio, what is your superpower? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Yes. My superpower. So I think my superpower is that I'm action-oriented. So I'm not the person who talks a lot. In fact, I prefer to take action over talking. And I really believe it is that superpower that has allowed me to reap the rewards mm-hmm. and to grow and to have been able to lead an NGO, you know, to being sustainable for the past 11 years and to have been able to create the kind of impact that we have created in Jamaica um, over the past yes. 11 years because I'm an action-oriented person. So if I envision something, if I speak about it, mm-hmm. if I say I'm going to do it, then you can count on it is going to be done. It may not Mm -hmm. always be done. (laughs) Right. It may not always be done when I say it's going to be done. So I want to make that clear. But even if there are delays, you can count on me that it will still be done. And that is, of course, 
where we'll have to wrap up. But I must say that indeed, I agree that action is your superpower. In fact, I know a little secret about you that I'm going to share with everybody now. Uh, and the secret is that Lanisia is really a shy person. However, you would not be able to tell just from talking to her. She has learned to manage it and she has learned to be just the, mo the most outspoken person who can just lead, you know, a team of person to, to achieve a goal. She has been an awesome leader in the NGO. Um, commendations for the number of she has received um, personally and on behalf of the NGO. And she has embarked into you know, the NGO journey, not just for herself, but really to help persons who see that there's an opportunity to build communities, to come up with innovation. Right now, during this particular period in the world, there are many persons who are looking now to see what they can do. And it's a great time to start an, an NGO to see how you can help your community and your country. And she has some really, really good tips some really good gems to help persons. Thank you so much, Danisa, for sharing with us. I wish we could go on and on and talk some more because I have a whole bunch more of questions to ask you. But we'll have to leave it here until next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the NGO Journey podcast. If you love this episode, please download and subscribe to hear others. If you want help to start your own nonprofit organization, download our free checklist on our website, thengojourney.com, or follow us on Instagram to get other resources for your nonprofit organization.